result. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. This week's guest is a music industry powerhouse who dabbles in just about every area of the business. He's a producer, songwriter, guitarist, keyboardist, and a part-time backup dancer if you catch him at the right moment in the show. He's worked both behind the scenes and on the stage with some of music's biggest stars and is fresh off of Brie Runway's sold-out debut U.S. tour. Here to talk to us about his journey from talented music student to standing on the stage from several time zones away, Nate Notes is here. <laughs> What's going on, bro? Yo, I gotta get some sound effects going in that shit. That would have been good. Yeah, I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and taking the time out to do this and talk to us. And by us, I mean me. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, I'm so what? excited. What an, what an introduction. I didn't even know half of that stuff about myself. <laughs> the power of Google. It's unbelievable the places it will take you. That's incredible. <laughs> scary, but incredible. No, it's great. It is scary, though. Sometimes I look myself up and I'm like, what can they find about me? And the things that you can pay $19.99 for people to find out about you is actually alarming. I'm moving. Yeah, get on that. <laughs> time of airing, time of I'm, I'm moving. <laughs> okay, so you and I met in a very like funny, unconventional way, which was that <laughs> I am a lunatic and was sitting outside of the Brie Runway show before any of the staff for the venue even showed up. The first guy yeah. showed up and was like, oh, are you working the event tonight too? And I'm like, nah, bitch, I'm just sitting here waiting for the show. He was like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was early, bro. I'll be real. We got there at like what one thirty, mm-hmm. two o'clock. Yeah, and you look like you'd like rooted, had lunch, breakfast. Oh already. yeah, I was camped out. I was sitting on a pillowcase. I was like, I'm not sitting on the dirty city street. No, hundred percent. The homeless guys walked by. He was like, I've never seen you in this neighborhood before. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't live here. Uh, th- this is just my post up for the day. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a. Uh, just uh, squatting for the day. <laughs> yeah, so like I haven't done that, waited outside to get up front for a general admission show since I was like 21. Like I'm too old for that shit. The next couple days, everything hurt. My body hurt from sitting on the street. I, I respect it. I figured let me do it this once for this one artist because I have a great feeling of what's going to happen for her. And I want to see it like up close and personal before. Yeah everyone starts to pay like serious attention you know no for sure i love to get in on those moments like early with artists i like so i suffered through it with my almost 30 year old body and here we are so i met you standing outside and we realized we were wearing matching shirts (laughs) and got into a a conversation about that sorry great shirts right yeah they are really good conversation they're really nice they really are nice did you manage to get a hoodie no, I missed that opportunity. Dude, the hoodies are even nicer. I just wear it all the time now. They looked great, but there were this there was this like group of kids next to me and they were like super aggressive about their spot. So they were like trying to find their way in front of where I was standing and I was like, "Bitch, I have been here all day. I will beat somebody yeah. up if I have to." 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so the sweatshirt was not an option. All right, so let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? I'm very interested in everything British, so I'm very excited about today. So, okay. 
So it's going to be a weird one. But then by the end of the story, hopefully it makes sense. Okay. So I was born in the West Indies. Mm-hmm. So I was born in a place called St. Vincent. And then I moved here when I was about like, just just before I was two. Came down with my mum. I was here for like a year. Then my dad came down. Um, I grew up in London, in a place called Stamford Hill. And then I moved to Hackney, mm-hmm. which I was there for like a few years. Then I moved like north london to enfield which is basically where i've been ever since um and yeah like london is it's great i'm not really much of a like a go out person Mm -hmm. so like i still get lost in central london (laughs) (laughs) i still have to sat out my way there i I couldn't get there yeah do you know i mean i just get lost but yeah i started doing music when i was 16 Mm -hmm. so it would like i didn't really listen to any music beforehand like it wasn't really my thing I I was more into like cartoons and like toys and video games <laughs> just like a giant nerd dweeb just would sit down and just yeah like play action figures with my brother and <laughs> watch shows and then one time my dad went to a guitar show with one of his friends from work's kids because they were guitarists and mm-hmm. like, they had like a music bond kind of thing and I was like oh I'm free today, I'll go to that. And then actually seeing people like similar age to me that could actually play more wicked, it kind of sparked that interest in the instrument. Right. So I, did, I started playing guitar after that. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward, like I was self-taught, fast forward a couple of years later and couldn't really do school anymore. It wasn't really for me. And I just wanted to do the music thing. So my mom, I, I was in bed and I missed all my exams. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going. I can't do it. <laughs> my mom called me and was like, yeah, the school called me and told me that you didn't turn up. And I was like, yeah, I'm really sorry, but it's not for me. She was like, cool, you're serious about this music thing, aren't you? And I was like, I kind of am. Mm-hmm. But she put down the phone, called me back like two hours later. She's like, cool, you've got an audition for this music college in like two weeks. Oh, shit. Yeah. And she, like, bless her, she took out like a a um a loan to be able to def- to afford the deposit for me and yeah that that's me and music ever since basically yeah that's and crazy to mama notes what an amazing support system like most parents wouldn't react that way no I, i'm like i am so fortunate and i wouldn't be the person i am the man i am today if it wasn't for my mom and my dad the love and support do you know what i mean so, yeah I'm lucky. Yeah, that's incredible. What is your earliest memory of music before getting into the guitar? Like, is there anything before you saw those kids playing that sparked your interest at all? Or it just was that moment? Having, like, having thought back on life, especially during lockdown, like, mm-hmm. obviously we all had a lot of free time for some yeah. reason. <laughs> um, Lenny Kravitz was actually a massive, I think, that that planted a seed that didn't flourish until so many years later in it. Right. That are you gonna go my way video with him and the dreads and the like the flying V, like yeah. Yeah, and I'm 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 back at that like flying V, like rock star kind of aesthetic because I'm like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's my full circle moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? From being like four years old. That's such a massive song too. Like the entire yeah. song is so big. Yeah. And I think it sums up just like just proper musicality across all of the 
whatever box you want to tick right. it ticks all the boxes yeah and the video's dope too so that yeah exactly exactly and i think you know so i'm a i'm a giant nerd in it like i love my superhero i love my marvel i love comics i love all of that stuff and yeah. i think without realizing it watching all the cartoons that i grew up on they had such rich musical backgrounds mm-hmm. like the music was so good on some of these shows right and it wasn't just like oh the theme song is catchy but the way the music interplayed between the scenes and stuff like that, I really think that that was like a big spark for me without realizing it. Right. Because now the, one of the only things I want to do is like produce a soundtrack for a Marvel movie. Oh, that would be dope. Like, yeah. That, that just it's happening. It's just on my list. Like I'm building myself there because I've some music on some like kid stuff isn't as rich as it used to be mm-hmm. like musically and one thing i want to achieve in my life is making sure that music for kids growing up can have the same effect it had on me in it right be it immediate be it 10 years 20 years like down the line but just i still can go and like watch all those old cartoons from when i was a kid and be like yeah this is great yeah see that's so funny too because i was so opposite like I never did little kid shit when I was a little kid. Like I was always into music. I was always like into artists. I would force my parents to like take me to wait online to see people the same way I did at 29 the day I met you. Um, I used to hang out in like the record store all the time. There was like, um, it was called The Wall. It was like the big record store in America before FYE. Um, And it was right next to the toy store. So I would see all the kids that I was going to school with at like, you know, four o'clock on a Tuesday, whatever day it was, walking into the toy store and we would wave at my parents. I was dragging into the music store and I was friends with like all the employees that worked there and I would buy like the That's latest great. cassettes and see what was coming out. So like I was totally opposite. I was never into like the kid shit. I was always into music. Yeah, it's, a, it's weird because I feel like I'm just slowly becoming an adult, like finding myself, even though I kind of do my thing I think it's like that whole branding thing because I didn't really do that going out stuff and I still don't really go out that much because right. for, for me, because I do so much gigs and it, it kind of is like going out and socialising a lot, I don't ever have the energy to want to like then go and stand in a, in a club or yeah. in a bar yeah. for hours on end when I'm like, yeah, it just feels like work. Well, you're already doing a lot of late nights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... I'm kind of at that point now. I'm like the socializing thing I do enough of on shows. And right. again, that's how we're here talking together in it. Right. It's part of your um, job. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the, like the branding thing and like that, that identity, not just being the man behind somebody else, but like just being your own thing. I think that's where I'm kind of stepping into now. in my journey kind right. of at this point yeah so you went to after you missed all the exams <laughs> you went to the <laughs> institute of contemporary music performance in london correct yeah okay what was what happens when you get there the lead up so remember i had two weeks mm-hmm. to audition. two weeks for this audition right i didn't know any of the shit because <laughs> 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 i was self-taught like that all the guys around me kind of played like rock and metal yeah so i was like one of the first things I ever learned was like a Metallica tune mm-hmm. and I had no right trying to play it. <laughs> I was, do you know what I mean? I couldn't even play chords. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just, that was just what was around me. So 
I had to teach myself like bar chords and all the basics for this audition. I go in, I do okay, but like, and I'm going to shout out two guys, um, James Brister, um, nah, shout out James. Uh, James literally was just like, dude, I'm going to give you a chance in it. Like I can see the fire in you. I can see thing. And a lot of the opportunities I ever had in uni and even just opportunities outside and just like inspirational talks and like some bits of mentorship. James has always been that guy for me. Is this the person you were auditioning for? Uh, yes, he was one. You know, he was one of the admin. He now runs like a like his own music business company and liaises with the college still, mm-hmm. but in a different capacity. And he's the one that was just like, yeah, now we're gonna take, we're gonna give you the chance because we we see something in it. I owe him a a lot. So last year you went back there as like an industry guest for their songwriting program? Yeah, we we did a Zoom, yeah. So you spoke for the students that are there now? Yeah. What was that like? I I imagine that's such a full circle moment to be at the place where you started your foundation and started this whole journey. And then to talk to students who are in your position that you were then must be like such a crazy moment. Yes. But they are they are all definitely much better than I was. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it was inc- it was incredible. No, it was it was incredible because you know, in life it's it sometimes is a bit hard to like stay stay on top of what you achieve and you know you're always moving forward. But it's important to have these little moments where it's like you know what I've actually this is how far I've come. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was, I think it's really important to, and it's like our duty almost to impart as much knowledge and wisdom for the next generation, for our youngers and all of that stuff. So it was really like special for me to be able to do that. And yeah, they were all, they were all great. Like they they were all like so good, so talented. The music they were playing me, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like I really and truly like some amazing, amazing stuff. So yeah, it's great. Do you remember if there were people that came in to speak when you were there? Do you remember any of those? So we we had a because it, I did guitar there. So the, when I when I was there studying, mm-hmm. the whole singer songwriter movement that kind of picked up that hadn't really picked up at that point. It was just becoming like a big thing in the industry. And prior to that, it was more like we had guitarists and like more instrumentalists that would come down and would do the interviews and do the talks and stuff like that. So. There was loads of really good um, masterclasses that I got to be a part of. And I'm just, I'm one of those people, I'm just like so hands-on that I always just ended up like getting in for free because I ended up working. (laughs) Like I would end up just working there, helping them do the sound or helping them do something. So I'd always get into them for free. Even if they were sold out for months, I'd always find my way in. That's funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was wicked. It's not really for me. The, the thing I take away from it is not how much better of a guitarist or an instrumentalist or whatever that I became afterwards. Mm-hmm. It was the relationships and also the experience from people that are actually in the industry. Right. And the networking thing, like that's the thing that I will always take away and forever cherish because, you know, you can sit down, you can practice anywhere, but to be around people and, you know, I'm still, some of my best friends are people that I met at uni right. to this day. 
And that's, we're talking like 10, 11 years ago. Now. Yeah. And they're still my best friends who I speak to all the time. And they're all musicians as well still. Like, do you know what I mean? So we are all still doing, doing music together. Right. Which is beautiful. Yeah, I feel like forming relationships is one of the most important parts. 100%. And that's the thing that you, you don't necessarily see on the tin. Because mm-hmm. as I said, this is 10, 11 years later. And right. James can still call me and I can still call him like it's yesterday, catch up. Do you know what I mean? It feel, literally, it feels like I'm at uni whenever I speak to him. Right. Just because that's how strong the relationship has become over the years. Relationships are everything to me, man. I think it's just how you live your life and operate that that determines so much. Yeah, I feel and the I'm, same way. It's the most important part. Yeah, well, this is like, for everyone listening, like, I didn't know you before. Do you know what I mean? Before we got there, but I was like, oh my God, this, this guy has literally come out to see our show. I would be a dickhead if I didn't say hi. And, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, that's, just, that's just how mom and dad yeah. raised me. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, just check in and just make sure everybody's cool. And then it was you and then a couple other guys. Yeah. Thing, and I was like, cool. Do you know what? We're sound checking, but let me just get these guys some water. Yeah, you know, did. You, you brought us all water. That was so nice. Because also, I'm, I'm not no massive superstar, but I was in a position where there was water. And that's a basic thing I can offer. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, why wouldn't you? That's what you're supposed to do. Or at least that's how I've been raised, isn't it? So it's the whole relationship thing and looking after people and helping people is a big, is a big thing for me, isn't it? Yeah. And it's also, I think, knowing yourself too and like checking in with yourself because it's really easy to be surrounded by a bunch of people who are a certain way when you're in an industry like that and kind of like lose who you are. So I feel like it shows your own strength and your own self-awareness to maintain the person that you are in those rooms around those people. No, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's just basic human nature. Like when you're around the the majority in it, it becomes harder and harder to like to stand out. And I guess, you know, we'll probably go into this later on in the, the interview about where I'm going, what we're doing, but yeah. It's like social media and all of that stuff, isn't it? Like, how do you, how do you stay true to yourself and find what your voice is and be heard in this massive ocean of everyone else trying to do the same thing? Right. Like, you've got to know who you are, and you know there will be times that test you. There will be times that can affect you. Not even do you know what I mean, and you don't even realize it. But deep down, as long as you know who you are and you keep even if you go astray a little bit, as long as you just know where you where you go wrong and you come back right. to that home point, then you'll always be able to move forward in, in power in it. So, hundred percent. And I think that the industry has changed so much over the past couple of years. That's something that's different too. Like to touch on what you were COVID saying about COVID has really done that. Yeah. Well, even before that, just social media in general, which is what you were talking about, like. Everybody, yeah, yeah. everybody wants to be a star now, even if they're just posting pictures of their dog from their house, you know, mm-hmm. like everyone has this access to an audience and to be yeah. heard and to be seen. And it's I almost feel like it's harder. To be authentic. No, I, I agree. Like, I really agree. I think you have to learn. You have to spend an amount of, an amount of time learning what the platforms do and, you know, how they work. and that sort of stuff. And it's only natural that you end up feeling the pressure of, oh, I must do what these people are doing because they're doing good. But, you know, one thing that COVID 
taught me very harshly is it's about the journey. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've been very fortunate that a lot of the artists that I play with are already quite well established. And I, I come into their journey at a place where they've already been doing quite a bit. Right. But I, I never really got to experience the start of a journey up with anybody. Mm-hmm. So when I when COVID hit and it's like, all right, you know, there's not really any gigs, there's barely any work. Now is the time I have to start my journey. I've got no fucking idea what that <laughs> even means. Because I haven't seen it. I haven't experienced it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it it's so important that you start to start and try and be consistent because you know, over time you refine it, you refine your process, you'll find better ways, you'll find your voice, but you won't find your voice if you think about it. Right. And the more you actually do something and the more you put like your time and your energy to it, the better you get, you know, like, like you're saying, you're not going to get any better if you're just thinking about it. But when you do it and you do it, maybe not the right way or not the best to your ability, as you keep going and as things become more natural, you realize you're getting better. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like, as we speak right now, I'm going through just that. Yeah, I am as well. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do so many things mm-hmm. and I'm trying to launch lots of like brands and lots of different things. And yeah. it's like, because I can do so much. Right. It's great, but also it's, it's, it can be like very hindering. It's mm-hmm. like, I, where do you start? Right. What's the right thing? What's the right direction? Right. What's and what the... order am I supposed to go in? Like, what's yeah. the most important priority first? Yeah. And then how do I, how do you stay consistent with, with, with all of the 12,000 things you're trying to do? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it, it's a lot, like it is, a, it's a lot of things, but for me, I'm, I'm going through it now, but I have no doubt in my mind that later on is I know that later on it will be fine. But in the moment, I'm just going through it. But I, it's not a, am I going to give up or will I think? It's just, this is really tough right now. You know, it's so funny that you're saying all this because I literally was on the way home last night in the car on the phone with my best friend and I had like a very calm freak out because like that's how we are. We've been friends for like 12 or 13 years. We just kind of like give it to each other the way it is. And I was just like, letting it all out in the car and I was like I just feel so overwhelmed I'm trying to maintain my regular job that pays the bills I'm trying to take all of my time off of my two days to record edit and produce this show make all the marketing set up interviews like it's just me I do it by myself on my two days off which which is amazing it's a lot it's great I wouldn't trade it for anything but I'm trying to build something to get me out of all of the other parts of my life that I am not enjoying so I'm trying to take something and make it what becomes my career, I guess. Um, all while trying to maintain like your regular life shit you have to do, right? Like I got to maintain yeah. my family, my relationship, um, doing the laundry, cleaning the house, like all the bullshit, right? But yeah. I sat there and I thought last night, I'm like, I just don't have time for anything. And she was like, well, I mean, you can't stop doing the podcast. And I'm like, no, that's not an option. I'm not saying that I'm going to quit. I'm just overwhelmed. And there's nothing I can really do but sit down and process it and find ways to continue to motivate myself. And I said the same thing that you just said. I know that things are going to pay off all the work I'm putting in now. 
and all the time that I'm taking and, and the times that I feel frustrated, I know that that's going to pay off at some point. But sometimes on certain days, it's hard to realize that. And I have to keep reminding myself. So it's interesting that you said that because I had a very similar conversation just 10 hours ago. <laughs> I had I had that conversation about 20 minutes before we got on this, <laughs> on this call. Like, it's a lot. It is a lot. And I think especially with the pressures of everything else, you know, we're, we're seeing everybody doing these things in it. It's human nature to for your some part of your brain to be like, oh man, you know, I need to be doing more or right. think good enough. And those, those are the little things that can send you into these little spirals. Right. I also think it's especially difficult when the only person you have to motivate you is you. You know, like yes. the only person who's as passionate about the projects that I'm working on is me. So the For only sure. person who's going to tell me to get the fuck up and get moving is myself. <laughs> well, and this, this, is, this is where my spiraling is coming from because I... I love what I do and I, I love everyone that I work with and I give, I give too much sometimes. Right. And, you know, I would always, I will never change that because I can't change that about myself. But what I need to start doing is redirecting the focus of where that too much goes to. And it needs to come back into me in it because I find that I will give a lot to a project or give a lot to the job that I'm doing and mm -hmm. then be spent afterwards and have nothing to give back to myself or no energy to put into one of the things I'm trying to do. And then it's like, okay, well, you get into this like, um, you get into this circle of how do I break out of this habit or this thing? There's a, there's a book that I just listened to called Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. If you haven't listened to it, I recommend giving it a listen to because it tells you all the things, you're, you know, like how to have good habits, but... The main thing is, it is small increments mm -hmm. of consistent, right. like, all the time. If you get 1% better every day, in a year, you're 365% better. Right, exactly. And I think we are so used to how fast-paced that social media and the mm -hmm. world seems to be moving that we, we only see final products. Right. You haven't seen the 10 years that somebody's put in. You haven't seen the failed attempts, the many. Do you know what I mean? We don't mm -hmm. see that. Yep. It's just this pretty image. Right. When um, it's all said and, and done. Then, yeah. And the other thing is that, you know, you've got to create an environment that will allow you to be um, successful and productive. So, you, you know, you're in this space right now and, you know, you're trying to make it work because you're currently making your your own space be fit for mm -hmm. your for your needs right so obviously that's going to be difficult because you have to get into somewhere strange that you're not familiar right. with and and feel and make it yeah 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 and be able to to sit to show up and be like cool i'm here this is what i'm doing and you know it that isn't easy but we're on this call right now so you're doing it and I think the thing that you should remember is that you're doing it and the fact that, you know, you can say even in your darkest, hardest, terriblest moments that I'm not worried about the end. It's just tough now. It's building the strength that you need for bigger and better things. Right. Because sometimes these crappy things happen to us and these difficult times happen to us because we're actually meant for more. 
we're actually going to be doing much bigger things later down the line, but we're not quite ready for it right now. So we have to build the strength, the, the, the thick skin, all of those things so that when that moment actually happens, you can walk into it very comfortably, very confidently and do it. Right. It almost prepares you for it. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that's kind of like that. Oh, that's life. But <laughs> it is really like it is kind of what it's what it's about because you know even like doing this podcast and this interview and all of this stuff, I'm great at standing on stage and I will go all the way in and thing. But you take me off a stage, you put me in front of a camera, and that's not really my field. Right. But if you put me on camera on stage, I will death drop. Oh, I remember. I did, <laughs> I did do it in soundcheck. Yeah. No, I, I know. I remember that. I remember you said you were going to do it and then you did it. I chickened out, but yeah, it's my first time. Yeah. Um, but do you know what I mean? The confidence in that platform and that arena is there because that's where I've trained in. But right. This is all new to me. So this is all outside of what my comfort zone is. But I know that for where I'm actually going in the future, these are skills that I need to have. So any opportunity to speak to people and just engage with people mm-hmm. and practice my communication is important as much as it might be uncomfortable. This is great, but there's other conversations and other things that I will have to do that won't be so easy and so great. Do you know what I mean? But I have to do them. Yeah. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you become with being uncomfortable almost. Yeah. And, and another thing the book talks about is it's not even about how motivated or driven you are. It's you have to learn how to enjoy the crap with repetition of it. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to learn how to enjoy showing up and practicing the same guitar scale right. every day and making the same drum beat a million times until it's second. You have to fall in love with that process right? and be able to do it. I think it's also really important to have conversations like this and I'm happy that we're talking about all of this stuff because it's so easy to look at someone in a certain position and not realize all the things that you're saying right so from my perception of meeting you and you being on the tour and you being the guitarist well then when I started to look into more of what you were doing when I was preparing for this interview I realized that there was so much more to you and there were so many other things you had done that I wouldn't have known about had I not looked for that, you know? And then to sit here and listen to you talk about almost all of the same stuff I'm feeling about my own situation and my own projects and my own journey is a completely different perspective and a completely different side of you. And I think that a lot of people who are in your position and up don't really talk about those things. And I think that's important because it's breaking that unrealistic perception of the social media and the internet and all the bullshit, which is all great. Like, because that's real too, in a sense, that's a great part of what you do. But there is this other side of when you're sitting in your apartment 20 minutes before an interview, thinking about all the things that are driving you fucking crazy. Like that's important to talk about. And I'm glad that especially in that industry, this is becoming more of like a public conversation. Like it's not all glamorous all the time yeah man yeah. then i was in malibu and then yeah, ah, it's not that like, yeah but, and there's cool. time and there's times where it is there's times when you, and that's yeah, great there's times where, yeah yeah the, the reality of it is that everyone is a human being 
Do you know what I mean? Everybody has... Well, not in L.A. Time. I don't know how much time you spent in L.A., but not everyone there is a human being. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. That's, that's not even getting to that. Yeah. Every human being during lockdown, no matter what position they were in, everyone mm-hmm. shared the same base senses of emotion. It was unknown. There was fear. No matter how much... Do you know what I mean? Everyone. No matter how much money you have, no matter how little money, everybody shared that thing. Now... Outside of those base emotions that we shared, everybody's individual circumstances had its own emotions as well. But as a, as a planet, we all shared the same shit. And we always same, share the same shit, no matter what. It's just gotten to the point where, you know, people just go, oh, this person is untouchable, unbreakable. But we're not. Everybody feels it. Mm-hmm. Everybody feels it. Everybody has their great days. Everybody has their down days. The people that seem to be successful and doing whatever just find a way of keeping it going even when they're having a down day and that's it. Right. And and people in different positions have different sets of problems. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like different challenges. So like I think it's so important, like I was saying, that the next generation know these things and you know. I started thinking about what my legacy was on the planet and all of this stuff during lockdown and, you know, what am I trying to achieve? And, you know, for as much as, you know, you can see online that I do, I haven't really done anything for myself. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I right. haven't really set my own thing up. I'm forever at the whim of working for somebody else, which right. some people is great. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I love it. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. a big part of, how I've gotten to where I am and thing. And I would, I want to work with people forever, but I also want to be doing my own thing because it's, right. it's reached that time where I've got so much to say and so much to offer and so much to give. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice by not sharing those things at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so important to get the ideas out and to do it. But like we're sitting there talking, it's fucking difficult. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's really fucking difficult to like be like, how do I make all of these things a reality? Right. Well, also like different situations are appropriate for different stages of life. So for the years that you've been doing what you've been doing, it was appropriate for you to be doing it that way. But now when you sit down and think about it, you're like, all right, I've reached this point and now I need to do something else as well. I'm a I feel like grown man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> That's just the natural progression of life, though, you know, and especially for a creative person. I feel like that's what happens. Like at some point you go through a transformation and you're like, all right, I need to do something else, something different, you know? For sure. I think, you know, we're all as creatives. It's really easy to go, oh, you know, I'm just going to follow this person's path and I'm going to walk down they've chopped out and carved this path and I'm just going to follow it and that's going to take me to the same success that they've had. Right. Thing. But that kind of isn't it because no matter if you do the same thing, we're all unique and individual and we have to find our own and make our own paths. And that, that's kind of where, like, that's where I'm at, at the moment. It's like, you know what, I've spent so much like the last couple of years looking at all these different directions and these different mm-hmm. things. I've tried many different things and being like, okay, this works. I really like this. I kind of keep coming to the same conclusions that these are the things that I need to be doing, mm-hmm. but that path doesn't exist. 
yeah doesn't exist in the way that i'm trying to do it so it's for me to be like literally carving that that road out because no one has walked it which is scary but also exciting yeah no and this is why it's like it it's like being in a jungle in a, or a forest and you know you're there on your own and of course you're gonna have moments where you're like this is a lot because mm-hmm. you're literally trying to cut down trees to get to where you're trying to get to right but ultimately i wouldn't change it and these are character building moments like right i've had such a year like honestly this year has been like the toughest year of my life so far mm-hmm. family things going on just yeah all of it but i know that it it kind of has to happen for me to be able to go to where i'm going because it's not right. even about the success or the things it's being able to have these moments with human beings and be like do you know what i know it's tough but you, we can get through these things in it right do you know what i mean like have support systems be able to speak to people like i'm so used to being a loner in it like i've been so self like sufficient and self-dependent for so long and it's at the point where i can't do everything on my own like right. it's just not possible like there's not enough time hours energy all of those things for me to be able to build what i want to build just on my own by yourself yeah right. So it's like, it's the, the thing of, cool, I have to reach out. I have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. How do you ask for help when you're the person that is always giving help, but never ask right. for it for yourself? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a whole new chapter of growth. Like, being okay with asking for help and being, mm-hmm. being okay giving help, but also maybe being a little bit more selfish every now and again. And it's not even being selfish, but wherever that 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 scale is of this is what i need to be doing for myself i'm normally over so far onto one side of always giving to other people that i can't even see what that middle line is and it's just bringing it back to that middle line because actually the more i do for myself and i can help myself in the long run the more people i can help and i'm trying to do things to like help people because music has been a thing that has gotten me out of feeling shit, tough times. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Listening to stuff, the emotions, watching TV, like watching things, all of those things have gotten me out of those things. So that's right. why I want to be able to give back yep. to people that listen to my music, watch what I do, come to my performances. It's those moments of, do you know what? This meant something or I did, I really felt something here. Do you know what I mean? How old are you? Have a guess. I don't know. I don't like this game. Do it. I'm 29, and I figure you're like somewhere around there. 33. Oh, all right. That's not that far off. We're in this like the similar age group. Yeah. I feel like that's what this is. I feel like being a self-aware, deep thinker, but also being in this stage of life, I feel like from like 27, 28 to like 35 is this transition. Mm. And I feel like you've been just like take I don't know if you've had some kind of recording device in my home for the past month to monitor what you were getting yourself into but like these are all the same conversations I've been having as I'm like approaching the crossover to the 30s and I feel like that's what happens if you're paying attention 
to yourself and yeah. what's going on around you. So it's so interesting to sit here and listen to you talk about all of this stuff and what's going on in your head because I feel the exact same way. And then what's more exciting is that those are the artists I enjoy listening to their music because I can hear what I'm dealing with in their music. Yeah. So that makes me even more excited to see like what you're going to put out there. You, you, you hear a time of somebody's life. Yeah. Like if, if the music is done right, you right. hear where somebody is at in that moment when it was created. Even in the production, like even yeah. in the sounds, you know, yeah, like you can, you can feel emotion. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so into that. Like I produce, I dabbled in production. Like I would produce um, tracks here and there before lockdown and, you know, I do mm -hmm. show programming and all that stuff. But I, I hit lockdown. I was like, you know what? I really love it. Like I actually mm -hmm. really love producing music and writing and all of those things. And I just put my head down. And I was like, if I want to say that I do it, I need to live it. Do you know what I mean? If you want to do something, you have to live, eat, sleep, breathe it. Right. And that's just what I've been doing is living it because I want to be able to express whatever emotion I want. Do right. you know what I mean? Not fake it and be like, oh, it's happy, it's house, it's heart, yeah. heart. Right. If I'm not, I'm not really that kind of guy anyway, but like if I'm not feeling a kind of way, I'm not going to try fake and... Fake it. Yeah. Like you're yeah. going to just get what it is. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like obviously like there's times when you have to like put on a like a brave face and think Oh, a hundred percent in the right situation. Yeah, but like yeah. It's yeah, I don't wanna lie. Like I don't wanna lie about how glitzy and glamorous life is. Like at the end of the day, my life is good. I'm alive, I've got a loving girlfriend, I've got loving parents. We're good. Do you know what I mean? We have our health. So I'm winning. Regardless of anything else, that that's the win, and especially in today's day and age, like that, it counts for a lot in there. So right. I'm doing good, but I'm also trying to do better than where I am. So from my perspective, like all the shits hitting the fans, and like, oh my god, I'm starting again, and this, this, this. But actually, I'm not because I've already climbed, been climbing many ladders to get to where I am. I'm just about to climb a new ladder, but I'm already starting from a very high position i'm not starting from the ground but right. when you're doing something for yourself and when you're creating something new that's kind of how you feel do you know what i mean you feel like oh i'm starting again and all this stuff yeah. and you forget the 10 years of work and growth that you've been doing and right you know, and how that comes with you yeah and it's it's a yeah. it's a transition as well because i'm transitioning from being somebody that is gonna just always be in the background and has to like has to have somebody do a tour or a gig for me to kind of have right. value and thing to actually I want to just create value for myself. I want to yeah, make my own music. I want to like do these all these wondrous things and be able to go I'm I'm the driving force behind that. But then yeah. I still want to go and you know whenever Bree's ready I'm there. She knows it. Everybody knows it because that's my sis. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I believe in what she's doing so much. I love the music. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. that's family. So that's never going to be something I'm going to be like, oh, I'm too big for that. Like, yeah, I'm done. Just, I'm, I'm done with that. Yeah, right? no, it's it's just you. You reach. I guess this this thing of like growing up, you reach a point where it's like, okay, there's more that I want to do. I still do that, and I can still right. do it, and I will still. Do you know what I mean? I want to be like 
Bree's like 50th album tour and be like, <laughs> the, the pit crew have to like pick me up after my death drops. And oh stuff. my God. Yeah. I won't be standing outside at that point. I'll tell you that. I'll be rolling Dude, in at the I'll, last minute. I'll make you a promise. If, if in <laughs> 10 years, 20 years, and we're doing Bree's 50th album tour, you'll be on the road with us. Don't you worry Great. about that. Love that. I'll be too old to shake my ass on the stage, though, so don't bring me up there. No, but you definitely won't have to be outside at like 10 a.m. in the morning. Standing <laughs> no, that's never, ha- that's never happening again. Next time, I'll wave to you from the back. Like I said, next time, I'm just you're on the guest list. Like whenever, I'm, whenever you're anywhere and I'm doing something, you're on the guest Ugh, list, bro. Love that. I'm rolling in with my big sunglasses and I'm going to say I'm on the list. So tell me how many instruments you play. Because when I saw you, you were, I don't know what was going on over there, but you were very busy. You were on the guitar. <laughs> there were some keyboards happening. <laughs> you had fucking drumsticks at one point. You were out in, in the in the mix with the dancers and you were doing your little two-step you got a lot going on how many instruments do you play so my, my main is guitar but i also play piano i play bass i play synth bass i do uh finger drumming mm-hmm. so that's i'll use an mpc <laughs> so that's uh-huh. all that little stuff um and then i kind of do percussion i can drum a little bit now but mm-hmm. I just, it's one of those things. If I had time to sit down more, I would, could probably physically play drums better. But I, because yeah. I produce, I can program drums and I can like tap them mm-hmm. in right. like, like a drummer in it. So, right. Yeah. And I, I'm a dancer ish. I want to, I want to like step that bar up a lot this year and be able to really like take on like choreography rather than just kind of picking stuff up and just joining That's in in fun. the moment. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Prince is one of my, one of my goats and yeah, he was just a beast. Yeah, he was, he yeah. was, especially in that aspect. Um, yeah. So when and how did songwriting start for you? Songwriting started just after, actually, no, it was kind of probably within uni, like mm-hmm. sitting down and, sitting with people and writing chords for them like it started off just being like oh because i play guitar you know can you put some chords to this song i've got then after a while it it became more like okay what's the what's the thought process so if you come in with me what's the thought like do we have a concept do we have an idea like i like to sit down and talk to people especially if someone's going to come in and they don't know like they're not coming in with an idea I want to sit down and go, let's talk about life. How was your day? How's your year been? How's your month been? Yeah. Because there might be some nugget. The same way we're talking, we've probably got like 50 song <laughs> ideas from this conversation. Like that conversation sometimes, you know, songwriting can be nerve wracking, like anything. It's become right. this thing where, you know, you see all these artists and you've got these songs and people just go up. If I'm going to be a singer, I must be a I must be a songwriter now. Right. Like to be an artist, I must songwrite, and it's an art form. It's something you have to practice. You can't just go. I write songs because I'm a singer. Yeah, you can't just pick it up. Yeah, and I think because everybody's so used to this like fast paced thing, it's like everybody expects that the first time they go into songwrite, or you know, the second time they they have to come up with this hit. Or mm-hmm. the first moment you're in a session, you have to pitch this amazing concept or this amazing idea. And sometimes, you know, it takes a little while for people to warm up. 
sometimes it's there, but you know, we don't know how to communicate it. So like one thing I'll do is I'll just, we'll have these conversations because it might spark an idea or, okay, so actually I can see that you, you know, if we were, if we were doing a songwriting session now, I know that you're going through it and you're feeling like overwhelmed and you're going through all those things. So we'd maybe look into like that side mm-hmm. of stuff or, you know, we talk about what life at home's like with like your flat being renovated and, you know, because it might trigger that emotion yeah. and that's the yeah. thing that I want. I want that emotion. Right. And you Doesn't, never know what's going to come out in the conversation. Yeah. And you know, then I can sit down and I can come up with some chords and then we'll bounce some lyrics or some concepts back and forward. And, you know, before we know it, we've got a working song idea. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of how I got into the songwriting thing because I, I was teaching like um, a lot of artists last year. Um, like I was doing a lot of artist development and mm-hmm. people are talented. There's so much talented people out here, but unless you sometimes have a space and an environment to be able to learn and do things, you know, you just go along with the Instagram thing and be like, oh, I have to be able to do this. And then you don't Mm -hmm. know how. Then you get into these spirals and everyone's feeling shit every day because no one's helping people get into this. And it's like, it comes from how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It has to yeah. and you can't look at every Beyonce record and every Rihanna record and go, oh my God, do you know this? Because sometimes those records have multiple writers. A lot of writers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to And say that's it. another thing specifically about America and not to talk poor, badly about any of those artists because they're great, but a no. lot of what happens in the United States, I feel specifically with the music industry, is a lot of smoke and mirrors and people don't realize that. So people will see these artists that are credited as lead songwriters, but sometimes that's not always the case. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, not for sure. Everyone is a songwriter and that's okay. And but I feel like here specifically, they paint people as things that they may not be and it's misleading. No, 100%. I think you have to think about it as well. When we talk about these artists, Beyonce's and things, they are so big and they've got so much stuff going on that they might not have the time to sit mm-hmm. down and write a whole record on their own. Right. Because they've just got so much stuff going. These aren't, they've stopped being artists years ago. These are all really successful business people. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's a business. They are a yeah, business. They are yeah. a business. And right. They have to be the CEOs and entrepreneurs of their companies and go, what's the most efficient way of me doing this? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Maybe on this song, I need I need to bring somebody in because I just I'm not finding it today. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I could I could find it at some point, but yeah, 100%. it's that thing I said about you know being open to like accept and help and knowing mm-hmm. when you need to accept help and when you don't need to accept help. Right. Do you know what I mean? And. I want to sit down and, you know, be able to do music forever. And right. I know that gigging and all that stuff is amazing. But to, to make that a full-time career, it will have a shelf life at some point. Do you know what I mean? Right. Unless I become part of a, one of those legacy acts where, you know, you will, you will just be so nice because of the stuff that you're doing that you'll be fine. But... I don't want to have to rely on one form of thing because I don't just enjoy one form of expressing right. myself. Right. Like my whole journey now is 
expressing myself in many different avenues. Like, so we've talked a lot about music, but as I said, I'm a massive nerd. I'm doing a mm-hmm. podcast about nerds, nerds, and we're nerds in color. Oh, I love that because the nerd in the nerd world and the geek world, people of color don't really have the same platform to speak openly without getting the racism and the nonsense sometimes. So right. ultimately, our aim is just to create a platform that we can speak freely and mm-hmm. it's for everyone because like we're all a color we're a shade of some color do you know what i mean right but right. ultimately it's just to get give people a space of being able to speak freely like bro it's amazing but it's nerve-wracking as hell because it's it's such a it, it's going to open up so much right debate, do you know what i mean yeah and it's like yeah. finding the strength to be able to be there and hold it down so that even if people come in with horrible things it's like you don't let it affect you right and i know that it's part of just stepping into a, a new lane like it's needed and mm-hmm. I, again i started i'm starting the podcast and i've set it up with my co-host shout out name and brown because i need to be better at communicating <laughs> right so what better way of communicating than sitting down with one of my boys and talking about comic stuff the stuff that i love I think you're better at it already than you think you are. This has been great so far. God bless you. (laughs) I want to talk about what your first like big moment was, because everybody talks about like what the big break is in your career. So what was that moment for you? Like what was the first really big moment you had where you were like, oh, this is it. This is happening. I feel like every gig is like that, to be fair. (laughs) But what Um, was the first? The first the first real moment when I was like, you know what, actually, this is real shit, was definitely Emanike. Oh, I love, he's in my notes. I love him so much. Oh my goodness. That, that's my dude. Like, Okay, so let's move right into that. What did you work on with him? Because I pay attention to all the stuff that he produces and writes and all that, but his original first EP, Small Talk, Yo. is my fucking Yo. shit. It was my shit then. Yo. It's in my shit class, now. Every, oh uh, my God. Suddenly. Yeah, every little uh, Every little word. Every little uh, word, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what was the other one? Uh, the rhythm, the beat yeah. is insane on yeah. that song. Okay, so please tell me everything you had to do with him. So, okay, before, I'm going to give you two seconds of backstory. Just okay. that will make the whole thing make sense. So, obviously I'm a guitarist. Another project I was playing in, I was playing guitar, and then I was kind of like, I was working a lot, so I wasn't able to make a load of rehearsals. So I had it kind of stepped back a little bit from it mm-hmm. and I was working at my at the institute at my college on the on reception and the, the guys were rehearsing and they had a song and they did like there was no keyboard players or piano players at the time in the, in the college it was just like drums bass guitar vocals so I literally was like bored and I just went in to check on them and they were struggling to like play one of the artist songs and I just started like playing it on piano somehow don't really know how and then mm-hmm. from then like i was just the keys player and like i was doing gigs and like struggling my way through like keys gigs and uh emanike saw me on a show with another artist that was doing like a mm-hmm. residency thing and he was like yeah i want that guy to be in my band uh-huh. and that's kind of how i got that's how i got the gig but at the time i was so green as a keys player like mm-hmm. I had all the right intentions, but even as a like a professional, like I was super green, bro. 
Like, right. So it was a really great experience. But well, it, what what year was this? Ooh, I want to say 2015. I right. Say so that. he so he was kind of just breaking out himself at yeah, that time. So he he all of those records had just kind of come out within a year or so. Yeah, that EP came out yeah. in 2015. I don't know about yeah. the singles, but the actual project came yeah. out in 2015. So that was kind of like the start of things for him. Yeah. 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 So I did a load of festivals and then we've done like a load of live lounges. Oh, the, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, which are great. Wait, that's crazy because now I have to go back and like watch things that I love and see if you're in the background. That's so crazy. Oh, so I'll be on keys for those. That's so insane. I ha- I can't wait to yeah. do that later. I love it. Yeah. I, I, again, those live lounges... Were some of my favorite, yeah, like moments. And They're always so good. Just yeah, and those the music was just so good in it. Um, but because I was super green, like wasn't really practicing. Obviously, it's, it was still like I saw keys as two different and guitar as two different instruments. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's just music to me. So I tran I translate music in my head on whatever. That's why I right. can kind of dabble on. I might not be amazing, but I can pick up anything and play a tune or get around because I'm just hearing music in my head rather than going, I've got to teach myself how to play the piano. Right. No, I just need to like know how to move my fingers, but it is just music. Right. It's the same thing. Yeah. That yeah. connection had not been established at that point. Yeah. So it Well, was, that takes time. Like yeah, anyway. it was very much like, or like, remember we got in and we had to do the first live lounge and Mm-hmm. The MD came in and he roasted the shit out of me, like <laughs> chords for days. And I was just like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I had to like show me in the room and like I had to go away and stay up all night, like just oh, playing man. it slowly because I didn't even have the technique yeah. to be able to do it. And somehow like I got through the performance and I did it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the like, I'm really rubbish in rehearsal sometimes. Yeah. Like, it takes me a little while for my brain to, like, get a thing. I think the, the, the stage does, like, mm-hmm. relaxes me. Like, and the crowd and the energy. Yeah, it get like, I just step into the zone, innit? Yeah. But, like, in rehearsals, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> it takes me a little while before I, like, get comfortable with stuff. Because when I perform, I th- I'm thinking about movement because I can't. Like, I can't perform standing still. I don't know how. Right, of course. Like, right. I, it's just, like, not in me. So, whilst I kind of have established the part, then I start establishing, like, okay, like, how am I going to move? And then when I'm kind of like, okay, this is where the one is and this is where the beats are, then something clicks and then I'm cool. But that can be a process. Leona Lewis, what did you work on with her? I did a, like, Christmas morning performance for her mm-hmm. so it was literally just like turn up yep you're outside it's coming out christmas day do the song <laughs> go bounce yeah literally jesse nelson so she um did jingle bell ball mm-hmm. which is like recently massive, yeah the uh the christmas last year one. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah when her single came out yeah, boys. Yeah, so I did the programming and arrangement for for that whole performance. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what are your thoughts on the controversy after that performance? <laughs> did you see any of that? I mean, it's frustrating because I, I'm not into the whole pop life. Like, mm-hmm. I met her for the first time. She's a really sweet girl. Do you know what I mean? Like, we we got in. 
did her rehearsal, was in her dance rehearsals, and we're trying to like sort out the intro for the show, and it just wasn't she, it wasn't clicking for her. And she was like, I was like, well, okay, we gotta go, but I'm gonna go back to my studio with the choreographer. Like, I'll call you in a couple of hours when we've got some. So she's like, nah, I'm coming with you. And she got in my car, she came to studio with me, and we were in my studio with the choreographer for like five hours, mm-hmm. working on it, making sure it's right. And she's really cool. And then the whole, the whole performance, like, I don't think that video that you see of the performance gives the performance any like justice because the choreographer King, he put together a really amazing piece, but it's just shot from just seeing Jesse. So you don't really see right. the dancers. You also, in isolation, you just look at her doing moves and go, okay, well, this is it. But the reality of it is the reason she's having to move so much is because the dancers don't have any in it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that performance is silent. Right. And in Jesse's ear, she's got the counts. So right. she's moving to give the dancers the cues. So it's kind of leading yeah, everyone like, else's performance. But having performing. to do it like visually rather than everybody being able to have it and stand huh. still confidently. Yeah. But nobody knows that. So everybody's right. just going to see her moving around and like over-exaggerating. Right. But she has to do that if she if we want to get to the end of the performance. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the way, it's, the way it's edited, it's just edited just seeing just her in those right. moments specifically. Right. Rather than what is an amazing piece. Because I remember I remember we got to the point where it was like maybe three days, two days, something like that, before the, the, the ball. And we're in the final um, rehearsals, like production rehearsals. And I got to see the choreography for the first time because I'm just there making the music. So right. I'm on, the, on Zoom calls and phone calls with the choreographer like two o'clock at night going, mm-hmm. yeah, we want to add a little hit and we're going to go, ba-da-da. So can you add that sound effect somehow? Can we do that? And to actually get in the room and see that was so incredible. <laughs> yeah, like, and such a massive stage too. Yeah, and, and yeah. we were just in the dance studio and then to see it at Jingle Bell Ball was even more special. Crazy. Yeah. Sam Smith. We supported, so we were like the support band. So the open, open act. I think that was with m actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Sam Smith. I was like, that was another one I was early in on. I loved him when he like first started releasing music. I think that was like 2014, 15, 14, 15, when he started like coming out yeah. in America. Um, and I saw him at Webster Hall, 1500 people right up front. And then the very next year, almost exactly one year later, the after that, the album had come out and there was like the big blow up with the first few singles. And one year later, I saw him sold out at Madison Square Garden. It was like the craziest thing. Just a year apart. It was insane. From 1,500 people to 18,000, like crazy. Okay, last one is Bruno Mars. So I did um, Summertime Ball. Um, and we again, we, we opened up for him. So we were on the same stage. Like we get there and like they're doing their sound check and like obviously his show's got pyrotechnics and all of it and like we're there and like right it's like, yeah Claire, Huge. and then you just see massive fire like shoot yeah. from the ground up crazy yeah. yeah and then we go with our small little 
we got our small little setup just in front yeah. of the flames. Massive. I love either. those huge shows. I love to see like the big production. It's yeah. it's so it's so exciting. Every level of music and performance is so exciting to me. Like it's exciting to me to see the small venues and the artists who are on the come up and just starting out. And it's exciting to me to see the the big scale and the big production. I love it all. It's so exciting. And it's even more incredible as as a consumer when you can see someone start small and then also be there to experience when they're doing something so huge because you feel such a different connection. It's to those journey, artists it's journey thing that we were talking about earlier yeah like, you've been yeah. a part of that journey like you've been following them from small time things and then you've seen their growth so like i'm sure there's probably an element of like pride like you feel proud of yeah of what they've achieved do you know what i mean to yeah. go from hair to hair it's not an easy thing so the fact that 100%. they've done it is is amazing yeah my favorite artists are a group they're called rufus du soul they're from australia i don't know if you know them but they're excellent and they've been i think they've been together for like 12 years i started listening to them around like 14 or 15 and the same thing i saw them in the same venue 1500 people and i just saw them last week or two weeks ago and they played forest hills stadium in new york which is 13,000 people and i was right up front like in the front row in the general admission and i couldn't stop I mean, first of all, they're my favorite artists. Like, I'm so connected to their music. It's been through, like, it's been a part of so many different aspects of my life. Great times, shit times. Like, they're always, like, my go-to for those moments, you know? So I just feel so connected to watching them over the past six years grow and grow and grow. And I just can't, couldn't stop turning around and staring at this whole stadium full of people packed. And they sold out two nights in a row. So over two nights... They played for more people than Madison Square Garden will hold. Yeah, that's amazing. And to turn around and see all that and to feel so connected to them with their music for so many years, that's how I felt. I felt like a proud friend, you know, like I don't know these people, but I know a lot about them through their art and I know how what they've made has helped me. So it feels like almost like a, a distant friendship. So I looked around and I was like, wow, how, what an incredibly proud moment and what it must feel like for them is insane to think about. Like for them to stand up there and have gone on this 12 year journey from like their small town in Australia to look out at the stadium full of people like waiting for them. It's incredible. Yeah. And that, again, it's everything that we've talked about today is, it's that journey. Like, they haven't gone from, oh, you know, we're going to release a song with an old call. It's, uh, right. we're playing bigger than Madison Square Garden on the next gig. It's like, it's taken, it's taken 12 long. years. Yeah. Right. But they've stayed at it and they've grafted and that's them and that's what they do. And the reason you feel that is because their music makes you feel it's been there for the last however many years of, of your journey in the times when you needed it. So you have right. a connection to the music, which makes you have a connection to them. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And now it's like, cool, I'm super proud of you guys because, yeah, I've been here. Do you know what I mean? Even if I've been yeah. with you for like six months or a year or 10 years of that journey, like, I've been here, innit? Like, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it feels like you're a part of it almost in a small way. For sure. Let's talk about Brie Runway. How did you guys meet and what was the first project that you guys worked on together? So it's such a weird, funny intro. Um, the the MD of the project, Don Hepburn, mm-hmm. boop, boop, boop. Um, <laughs> we'd been 
in contact in like 2019, trying to like, I contacted him trying to get some work and trying to work with mm-hmm. him, you know, and he's got an amazing company called 20DB who basically look after all of Bree's music. Okay. Like from a live um, and gigging and TV shows and stuff, they handle all of that or we handle mm-hmm. all of that. And basically that stuff in 2019 wasn't able to happen because I was on a Sinead Harnett US tour. Okay. Which was my first time to the States. And then just like kind of randomly, um, yeah, my best friend had spoken to Don and was like, yeah, you know, Nate's really good and he'll be really good for everyone and he's super down to earth. I think you get on it. And Don called me and was like, yeah, dude, I've got this thing. And, you know, it's always a thing when you speak to people first, like properly for the first time and you have to discuss things. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm down. Like, what's the, what's the details? And he was like, oh, it's this, this, this. And we had like quite r- open, raw conversations about a few details. And I was like, I just didn't even make it a thing, but I just voiced my observations. And he came back and he was like, dude, I totally understand. Like, and from his response, because like no one ever comes back to you like that. They just go, okay, right. well, this is Johnny Big Two's big shoes. And I was like, I never said I wasn't going to do anything. I just voiced a concern over a certain thing. And because he was so like, thing, I was like, do you know what? It's cool. I know that that isn't actually going to be a problem because of the way he, he responded. And literally since then, we've been doing like, we did the Jesse Nelson stuff together. Mm-hmm. We've been rocking and Don's the one that called me. We did her first headline show okay. um, in, in London. She did uh-huh. two nights at um, Colours. Yeah, that was that a couple was, months back. That, yeah, that was 2019. So that's when I started. Oh, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm no, confusing No, no, sorry, that's with... 2021. Sorry, that's so in September last year, sorry. Last year. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, And that's, that's when I met Miss Runway. Okay, so let's talk about the MOBO Awards one of my proudest musical moments ever it was such a great performance and like i started listening to her and found out about her i think it was 20 early 2020 whenever the atm music video came out Mm -hmm. is when i really got into it like i'd heard of her before but i wasn't like really listening and then i saw the video and i was like it piqued my interest i also love missy elliott so i was like oh shit she got missy elliott Mm -hmm. on a song something's going on here and then i like really dove into her ep and i was like holy shit this is really good but that performance i remember like i saw that it was going to happen but i couldn't figure out exactly how to watch it so i was Mm -hmm. like i'll catch it later somewhere but what a moment to like introduce yourself to the world kind of on that kind of stage she is just so unbelievable in the way that she walks on stage and no matter where she is she performs like a superstar in an arena even if she's in a 500 person venue it is so rare especially in america because everyone's fucking lazy here and they do the bare minimum a lot it's so rare for someone to come out the gate a superstar it's just like built into you that's one of those things that like a certain level she's a star yeah a certain level of stage presence like mm-hmm. you just either have it or you don't that that star quality that people talk about you have it or you don't you can't teach it and the level to which she has that never ceases to fascinate me or amaze me every time i see it i'm like there's just something when you look at her that it's you you can see it no 100 like 
I, because a lot of this, that stuff was COVID times, like the rules mm -hmm. were so strict that we were doing everything remote. So I didn't mm -hmm. get to see any of the choreo. I, I, oh, that's I, crazy. I knew, obviously I knew about the motorbike. I knew the general idea, you know, she's coming in on a bike. She's, it's going to be this long that she's going to kind of be on it. It will take this long to get from there to there. So we need the music to be that long for that thing. And, you know, and that was it. And I never got mm -hmm. to see any, didn't know any of anything. So I sat and watched it live in my sitting room with my girlfriend. And it was uh -huh. the most proud. When she did that split, my bro. Okay, wait, 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 wait. But let's just get into it. Because just when you thought it was over and you were yeah. like, wow, this was such a solid, incredible, like first performance at this level. And then she took off the glasses and the fire started. Yeah, no, And no, she no, just she like snapped into this zone and you yeah. could see it in her she eyes. In. Yeah, she locked in. She would. She was like, because again, I know the music because I just finished like producing and programming right. all the music and playing everything and getting it. So I'm like, right. I'm going and hearing my arrangement on TV for the first time. Right, right, which I mean? is incredible. Yeah, like it was a moment yeah. for me because it's my first first time that happened to me in it. And then the second time was like maybe a month later with the Jesse stuff. Mm -hmm. But to hear what, you, what you've made is sick, but to then see... The visuals mm -hmm. and when they came out and did pressure oh yeah and, and nobody energy, had heard that yet yeah the energy that they hit with pressure and the the, the like the detail and the like the journey mm -hmm. of all of it and then yeah like i said that splits like i have to play that solo at the end of that song exactly the same in just out of like respect for that mobo's moment because yeah. it was just yeah it was absolutely fantastic did you ever see the old performance from 2000 um, of the VMAs where Britney Spears did Oops, I Did It Again and she ripped the suit off and she yeah, had yeah. the... Yeah. That's the like the image, the flash I had in my head because mm. she has the fire when she like bends yeah. down on the stage and throws herself back. And I thought of that as soon as I saw it. And it was funny that it reminded me of that because that was her like breakout moment as well to break yeah. out of like the old image. And when people were like, wow, this isn't just like a perform a teen performer. This is a superstar. Yeah. So it reminded me of that because it was so similar yet so different. And it just like it got me so excited in my house watching it on my TV. I was like jumping up and down. My boyfriend's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, are you watching the same thing I am? <laughs> I'm going to let you into a secret. I might get in trouble for this, but fuck it. Oh, I Brie, love Brie knows exactly what her big show like. She knows what Wembley Stadium for her looks like. Whatever the biggest venue in the world mm -hmm. is, she could be yeah. on Mars. She knows what that looks like. Right. Like she knows what it looks like costume-wise, stage-wise. So everything mm -hmm. that we're doing at this point is just a, it's whatever we're allowed to fit in to whatever right. room we're in. But we're right. always at Wembley because she's, she's in that, She's always in that headspace. Like she knows what it is. So everything that's is what like makes, stepping That's in. what makes her as good yeah. as she is because yeah. you're thinking bigger. Yeah, and yeah. It, it translates to the audience. Like people who look for that stuff and pay attention to it the way that I do, like we can see that. Like it's already bigger than it's supposed to be now. So what is it going to be when it's actually at that level? Okay. You know? This this one step at a time because I need to like, um, <laughs> if like the same way Bree's on like, Basically, Bree's on like smoke and I'm on bullshit in it because mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, well, 
I'm going to need my own fans. Like, because Bree's, you know, Bree has fans at the front of um, the stage blowing blowing her hair and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, had to wig, fix it, wig. actually. Yeah, yeah, me yeah, yeah, and the yeah. girl next to me, Anita, it was broken and it was delaying the start of the show. And we were like, hold on, give us a second. We were like fucking pulling the wires and shit. Yeah, making sure. <laughs> and we fixed it. We yeah. were like, let's go get this rolling. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, because I don't have long hair. I need to try yeah. and find like a cape or. Like or a something, hat. yeah, something that blows in the wind, like a do rag or something. Because I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> I need to have that rock moment. What have you been working on with her outside of touring? Because, like, I know you said that you did the live video for somebody like you. You guys did the live performance. Are you yeah. working in the studio with her as well on like music that's coming out? That hopefully is one of the next things that's that's part of my list of things to to, to get kind of going and happening because i do i do so much live stuff mm-hmm. um and the studio thing you know i've had a studio i've had my own studio for five years and it's kind of transitioned from being like a space where i kind of do show prep and practice and maybe rehearsing to actual music studio this is my job this is you know the biggest artists in the world can come here and get a good record. Like, so it's a whole process of getting the space ready for it and my mind ready for it. Because I feel like, you know, that is one of my next achievements is getting in with Brie, getting with everybody, everybody that I respect and I want to make music with. Do you know what I mean? Because I, like, I didn't know Brie before I started playing for her last year. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, but her music is so amazing. And it's not, it's not me just saying it because I play for it. Like I, I'm not that person. Do you know what I mean? No, but it really is. I try not to do anything that I don't like anymore. Right. Life's too short. Like I want to just make sure I enjoy the things. But like to have to have a like to be on a show where you get to have like rock god level moments, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And shredding and like flying V um, Lenny Kravitz guitar, but then have really intimate moments like somebody like you and right. have pressure where you get to, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's the most versatile show, eclectic show I've been on. And because I'm, I'm into all of that, I love it. And like I said, I'm, will hopefully be there till the last show. Do you know what I mean? That's exactly the word I was going to use. The versatility of it is so great. How you can go from a moment like pressure or ATM or little Nokia, all these like high energy moments. And then you have somebody like you, which is such an incredible and powerful ballad, but it's like a slower, calmer moment. And then out of nowhere, she pulled out Just Fine, which is the unreleased, which is like so much, it reminded, I was like, is there a Bobby Brown sample in there? Or am I just like taking myself back to that time listening to this? It reminded me so much of um, like every little step style, you know? And I love that that music but it was just so out of left field but still so great and still somehow fit into everything else she was doing yeah and acting down and the thing is you know yeah that one too brie brie loves the 80s so she loves that music because mm-hmm. there's been some like we've been in like meetings talking about like what we're going to do for the next shows and all these yeah. things and some of the deep cuts she comes out with i'm like yo okay <laughs> yeah, yeah respected it because yeah, not a lot of people that, not even musicians that I know, even know who some of the the, the the tunes or the artists that she's calling out to be like, yeah, can we have a moment like this? Well, you know, I always say like I've watched 
a couple interviews that she's done where she talks about like inspirations and influences. And obviously she talks about Lady Gaga a lot and all these different artists. And I always say that the most dangerous thing you can do is pop in pop music is let a music fan, a true music fan who like studies what the other artists have done and has watched it growing up into the arena. They are the most dangerous artists to let out into the field because they know exactly what their fans are looking for because they essentially are us, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like, so they just, they just already get it to a different level. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. And, you know, we've done me and Don 20 DB, we produced the, somebody like you acoustic, mm-hmm. the like yeah. orchestral version. That was, which again, was incredible. That, that is a moment. And that, that version will have its moment in the sun soon. Like, I think, I think I will listen to that one more even than the original. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. Like, a lot of people on when we were on tour were like, "Are you doing that version?" Like, but people were expecting the choir to just pop out of nowhere. Well, I honestly don't want to talk about the fact that you guys literally just cut that out of my show. So, thanks a lot. So, do you know what? It was because she 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 didn't see it in the right place. So mm-hmm. she went. She called the next one, and then. When we um, when we went off, we were gonna do it, but she she was just too pumped. She wanted to just get hot. Yeah, hot. yeah, yeah. So then yeah. when we got off again, we were t- we were upstairs like we should go, but by the time like I came down to check, half of the audience had left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she actually did it for us outside. I don't yes. know if you know that. No, yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why. <laughs> yeah, we caught it outside, and honestly, that was better anyway. Yeah, and we did the um, we did like a a, a pop up performance in King's Cross uh, train station. St. Pancras in um, like middle of London and we did like yeah, I a watched it. I watched four it. piece choir and mm-hmm. um, Brian and me on the piano and like it's it, it's real testament to where she is as an as a artist not forget career wise but as a performer to right. be able to take such an intimate song and be able to deliver it in such a like a naked exposed setting yeah right right. Do you know what I mean like no right. No sound check, no thing. Just rock up and just go, guys, I'm here. I'm doing it. Well, also just to have the two sides in one artist is so incredible as well. Like that she can stand on the stage and put on the show with the dancers and the costumes and the fans and all the stuff, all the spectacle. But then she can also stand there with a mic and just sing, you yeah. know, like you don't find that in the same person all that no, often. No, she, she is one. She is a genuine human being, which is, again, that, those are the things that that really matter to me more and more in life now, especially after like all that we've been through, like, are you just a good human being? Because if mm-hmm. you are, I've, I've got all the time for you and I will rock with you to the end in it. Yeah. Because it's not about the gig. It's not about the money. It's not about, oh, what thing. You are, yeah. a, you are somebody that I can sit down and speak to and have a human conversation. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. I can sit down with her and have the same conversation that we're having. Right. And it not be like that's a, important. Do you know what I mean? Like that's so important to me. And yeah, especially she, when you're traveling. Yeah, somebody. But even just when you spend any extended time with people, like, and also if I want to put my name to something, like that's so important to me. Every now and again, we've got to work with somebody just because we have to. But like, I'm like I said, I'm so lucky I get to work with somebody that I'm a g- genuine fan of. Like, genuinely, I'm a fan of you as a person and your music and what right. you do. And right. I'm excited to see what she does next and also yeah. be a part of it. Right. 
which That's is incredible. Like, it's amazing. It's, it's such a nice position to be in, as well as being somebody that has gone, you know, I can track her journey now and go, okay, so this is where that happened. And, you know, I was at her first show. So, okay. So when I'm looking at this journey thing for myself, right? like there's a reference point now. Do you know what I mean? You can be, you can be really talented and still be a nice person and be extra as fuck and be all your own unique little quirks. Yeah. Still do good and still make it. That's so inspirational. Let's talk about favorite and least favorite part of touring. Obviously being away, being away from family, being away from like my girlfriend, all that stuff is like really difficult. And also sometimes it's a bit daunting being in a new place that you've never been in a new city. Maybe you don't speak the language or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm vegan in it. So some like LA was great for like having restaurants the same as New York, like going and yeah, having lunch place, was great. That's the place for it. Yeah. And New York was great for it as well. But then being in the airport was like, mm-hmm. like being back like 20 years, like Bailey even had like dairy free or vegetarian options. So, right. you know, that I think now where I'm trying to do like the health thing and it's not just about, oh, well, I'm going to just get a vegan burger instead of a, and like, can I get a salad or can I get something healthy? Like, I think that's the thing that I, I, there was moments where I was like, oh, that was not, that was not um, enjoyable in this yeah. scenario. But I just, you know, getting to meet new people, I'm such a, I'm like calling myself an introverted extrovert at mm-hmm. the moment because, like I said, on stage, I'm like, thing. And if you, if I warm up, then, you know, sit down and think, but, I will also just quite happily keep quiet and be to myself and like be super content with that. Um, but being able to meet new people now where for two years I wasn't able to, I'm a hugger. I'm, do you know what I mean? I like, I like to help people with somebody bless sneezes. I'll say bless you. Do you know what I mean? Right. Not, two, having two years of not being able to do that wasn't fun for me in it. So being able to like just meet new people and just interact and like, have moments is like is great yeah especially after such a long period of time not being able to do that yeah and like like, again like i said it's relationships so being able to be like do you know what we're doing a podcast do you know i mean we're Mm -hmm. here now yeah like i could have easily just gone oh yeah there's this guy outside i'm just gonna just go in and yeah right do you know i mean and and some of the some of the other cats that turn up early like we're still speaking on insta and you know one of them's a producer and it's like cool I get to see your journey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I right. get to follow your journey as well and see 10 years. Oh, cool. So you, you are the, the, you've got your own show. Do you know what I mean? You, you stayed true to what you said you were going to do and you did it. Right. And yeah. I'm here rooting for you all the way. Do you know what I mean? And I was able to do that because we were on tour. Right. Yeah. It's true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You cross paths with people that you may never have otherwise. Yeah. We, we met this coming, coming back to London. We met, um, no, actually, it was, we were going to Zurich because we did a couple of shows in Zurich after the LA, after the US tour. And we met this couple who were this big, he was this big like record producer from back in the day. Him and his wife mm-hmm. just going to Greece, like having a holiday. And like, do you know what I mean? Got to meet somebody who's actually like being responsible for like some amazing albums and recordings. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
Absolutely. It also, I find it interesting in life too, like sometimes you have to make choices about what you want to do, right? So like things come up all the time. So you're like, am I going to go to this place? Am I not going to go to this place? Should I go do this thing I was going to do on Thursday or do I not have the time or the energy or whatever? And you just never know what happens either way. Do you know what I mean? Like you never know what you miss out on if you don't take an opportunity or you don't go somewhere that you wanted to go. It's crazy. You can miss out. Missing out is, is twofold because let's say that Thursday thing, let's say you go to it, but actually you missed out on having rest. Right. And by having that rest, you, you, it, you would have been able to do something else, but because you chose to like go out and push yourself an extra thing that you didn't necessarily have to, you missed out on something later down the line, or you go, oh, I'm too tired. I'm not going to go to this thing on Thursday. And then you miss out on something that happens on that Thursday. So it's like, right. there's always like two things with every decision in it. Like, you never know, but it's like rolling the dice and taking the gamble. Yeah, hundred percent. What are some tips you have for self-discipline? Like we were talking about before, how a lot of what you're doing, like you're the only person who's going to motivate you, and you, if you have to stay disciplined when you're on tour. Obviously, we were talking about before, like you didn't, you said you're not really into going out, but in that environment, like it could be tempting to kind of hang out because that's part of the job. Um, or part of the environment that you're in rather. So like, what are some tips that you have for people on how you keep yourself disciplined? I have some fundamental stuff that, you know, I don't drink. I stopped drinking when I was 18 and Mm -hmm. like, I'm just absolutely fine with it. Like nobody's going to make me drink. Do you know what I mean? doesn't matter who it is. It's not something I'm at all interested. I don't smoke. I don't do none of that stuff. So it's at that point where I'm just like, do you know what? It stops being a disciplined thing because it's mm-hmm. just part of who I am now. Right. Well, that makes but sense. But in, in the earlier days, like it wasn't difficult, but you know, it's it can be difficult when you're around stuff. And I guess it's it all comes down to your environment. Right. I try and surround myself with fun things and I try I try, it doesn't always work, but I try and keep myself in high spirits where I can because on like days like today where you know i'm going through it and in in horrible spirals and you know trying to like figure out life putting something fun on or you know maybe spending time with my girlfriend or something like that will be the thing that stops the spiral from happening or gets me out of it and grounds me and you know you've got to do those things for yourself so i like to do a lot of like yoga pilates Mm -hmm. i like to stretch a lot I've started getting into like audiobooks and going for a walk and listening to podcasts and like just like retaking back the idea that I am in control at all times of what I do. But sometimes we feel like we're not. So we go, oh, you know, I've got this job today, so I don't have any brain capacity for this. But actually, if I sat down and listened to it and done that, I might have more brain capacity for the thing that I have to do. Right. So it's just getting into the, the headspace of, you know, what are the things I'm trying to focus on and let me make sure they become a thing. Again, that book has helped me redefine and re-understand how to do that because as you get older, it becomes harder to do things. You have more responsibility. It seems like there's less hours in the day. Less time, yeah. Yeah, less, and it becomes harder to keep stuff going and you have to find small consistent things like that you can do and build over time rather than go 
well, I'm going to go and do a 10K run now, having mm-hmm. never run before. Right. Do you know what I mean? Or I'm going to go and lift 100 pounds in the gym, having never lifted ever. Like, you have to start somewhere. And it's been able to start and go, do you know what? As part of my day, this is, this is what is important. And like, I'm super disciplined, but I'm also can procrastinate a hell of a lot. Because my brain is, my brain just is always firing with ideas. It's always create, it's always doing something. And it becomes very easy for me to go, oh, oh I'm just going to go and look at this thing. An hour later, and I've been on looking at guitars or I've been on Instagram looking at cartoon pictures or watching production videos or something. And, and the thing that I went out to do, <laughs> I didn't even find because I got distracted. So it becomes just as easy to be to procrastinate as it is to be disciplined. And the thing that helps me is just by avoiding the distractions. Mm-hmm. Because I know that I will sit on my phone for three hours doing yeah. nothing, wasting time. Yeah. If it's, it's there. so easy. Yeah. It's so easy. Because you feel like, oh, social media, I must be on Instagram. But it's like, I don't need to be on the app scrolling. I just need to be uploading shit. Right. And actually what I need to do is turn myself, my, my brain into being like, I need to be a creator rather than a consumer for that right. specific thing. Mm-hmm. I need to, like, I used to train quite heavily. And then we used to get so busy with gigs that we started training at gigs because we'd be getting home at like four in the morning and having to leave at like 12 the next day. You don't have time to go to bed and then get up and do a workout. So we right. found ways of, training on the road but then circumstances in life change or circumstances in gigs change or thing and then you know you find yourself on airplanes all the time or you find yourself in different environments like it becomes harder yeah because what i haven't like especially for me especially for the the america thing i hadn't found a way of adapting what i did and how i trained and how i went about stuff to a new platform because it's, it's about being able to adapt. That's, that's really what discipline is, is. Can I adapt to changing surroundings? The same way you're recording in this new space and you're having to adapt to right. a new environment. It's like you are disciplined because you are adapting, so you are doing it. And it's very easy to forget. Like I barely trained most of this year. Like life was so difficult that everything, just all my habits, all the stuff that I was trying to do, they just felt like they couldn't happen. Right. My environment wasn't allowing it. And I stopped training. I stopped looking after myself. Like, then the tour came and I was like, you know what, actually, I did, we did the London tour and it was quite like strenuous in my body because my body wasn't conditioned anymore. And I was like, cool, right. you know, I can't let myself get to America. And it's going to be a lot hyper. It's going to be like, Mm-hmm. physically more tougher because we're flying in rehearsing flying to this next place doing this when we're in LA we're in a in a like a house like an Airbnb I'd get up every morning I'd do yoga different environment do, yeah and a bigger a space where I could do those things mm-hmm. then when we're in New York we're in the pod hotels so we're in these tiny little tiny rooms where they, you couldn't even open your oh, suitcase yeah. i've stayed there <laughs> yeah you can't even yeah. open your suitcase in it it's so small i didn't keep up the training because i wasn't i wasn't able to find a way of adapting in that space right but that's because my ultimate 
thing was I'd only just started training. So I didn't have any things that I was like, okay, do you know what? I'm going to go in the corridor and do some push-ups. Right. Do you know what I mean? That that stuff wasn't there. So it's, yeah, right. it's about finding those things. Like even now I'm back home, you know, I want to be more productive. I want to work smarter than harder. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I want to yeah. be able to have a good work-life balance. Sometimes you have to work harder. Sometimes you have to life harder. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's always an ebb and flow, but you try and keep a balance. But, you know, how can I, for what I want to achieve in my career now and the things that I'm setting out to achieve for myself, how am I able to do that if I end up being on the road? if I end up being in a rehearsal space, if I end up not being home or if I don't be in the studio, how mm-hmm. do I keep the things that I'm setting out to achieve? How can I do them? And this is the new phase of like being disciplined and figuring it all out I'm in. It's like, right. okay, you know, I'm just doing five push-ups every day mm-hmm. because that is something that I can build upon as a right. habit Right. that is, doesn't, I will still probably do some yoga or I'll stretch or I'll do something or go for a walk. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, I'm not going to beat myself up or I'm going to try not to beat myself up if I don't do yoga for the day or if I don't do my Pilates. But if I don't do my five push-ups, I'm going to kick the shit out of myself. Yeah, right. Because that's my one small thing right. that I'm trying to relearn the discipline for. And then like with the, the practicing, like, okay, I used to practice for hours. I used to play for hours. Some of the gigs that I used to do were like, you'd be playing for like five hours of music for a day. I'm not really doing mm-hmm. that stuff anymore because it's not really in line with where I want to go. So how do I continually make sure that I'm playing for a long amount of times? Well, actually, I need to at least play for 10 minutes a day. Right. So if I don't get to play for an hour a day, I'm going to just play for 10. If I don't play for 10, I'm going to kick myself up the ass again. But those are the small things where if I was to just do at least my 10 minutes every day for the rest of the year, no matter what work came in that I would still have that consistency. Right. And in a month, that's my 1%. In a month, I can go, well, do you know what? I'm going to do half an hour because I know how to f- prioritize that time for myself now. Do you know what I mean? So now, it, now I can increase the time because I've understood how to keep the discipline of just showing up. Because that's what it is. It's not about can you motivate yourself sometimes. It's can you show up? Because I'm going to show up and I'm going to do one push-up. I showed up. Right. I didn't achieve as much as I wanted to, but at least I showed up. Because I haven't broken the cycle of being productive every day and be keeping on it. Do you know what I mean? And it's that new, it's the new headspace I'm trying to put myself in where it's like, okay, I can't go a week without doing this and I can't do a day without doing this. Unfortunately, I can't try and do everything in a day because sometimes my week, I don't even have 10 minutes to myself. So how am I going to have like the time to do 50 things in one day? But if I can space it across the week and go, all right, well, you know, next week, nothing's in. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to play guitar for an hour. Right. Just for me. Or yeah. I've got a gig on the weekend. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to put a couple of hours aside to learn the show and make sure I've got my part there. And, you know, within that process is how can I be more efficient? So, you know, let's say I don't, I've only got half an hour. I'm right. capable. I'm good enough to learn it in half an hour. 
how can I have the discipline and the the like attention to detail to be able to get everything I need to get done in that space right. of time? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm putting my phone in a different room when I go to bed. That's my thing for June. Like for June, my phone, when I go to bed, the phone isn't with me. It's in the sitting room. I dash it. I dash it violently onto the couch to be like, I'm done with you for the day. I would love to get to the point where I can do that. Bro, you just literally just have to do it. Yeah, hundred percent. Because start it. what I yeah, what I want to do is I don't want to be on my phone wasting time anymore. I'm right. next month. I'm taking all social media off of my phone. I'm going to put it on my iPad. My iPad is oh, in that's, my, that's a smart it, idea. Yeah, it's in my backpack. It's not as easy for me to get access to it. Right. Whereas my phone is in my pocket all the time. So I'm trying to create turn my phone into a well, business tool, and my iPad is the thing that I'll be on social media and thing but it's not as enjoyable on the ipad because it's not as convenient so it right, hopefully of it puts me off wanting yeah. to scroll stupidly and aimlessly every day so but for this month, less less. yeah i know that i'll sit in bed and i could be up for hours just being on my phone right do you know what i mean yeah i'm not realizing it so oh yeah i do the, it all the time yeah the first thing is to just get rid of the phone at night the next thing for next month is to basically not touch my phone for an hour after I wake up. Yeah, that's a good one too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it really sets the tone for the rest of your day. Yeah, give myself that 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 time for myself. Because I was doing that a lot in lockdown. Like, I was working on myself when I woke up. Right. I would wake up, I'd like meditate, I'd do my yoga, I'd maybe go for a walk, I'd go for a run. I'd Especially in the summer, I'd go outside and I'd skip every day. Or I'd go to the, I'd do something for myself that I worked on myself. And then I'd practice a little bit. And then as things got busier and stuff opened up again, fell out of that habit just because my, my day and my routines were changing. So like, I wasn't able to, I like getting up at 6 a.m. I love it because no one's awake. No one in the world is really awake. I just get to sit down and like be there, be it in the dark or whatever and do something for With myself. Yourself. Uh-huh. And by the time like nine o'clock rolls around, like the work, they start i've already focused and worked on myself and do you right. know what i'm so happy with we're talking about this because it's something that i actually forgot that i was doing and that's the reason i was doing it like you've got to give yourself a reason to be disciplined 100 percent. you can't just say oh i want to run 100 you it, these are all things in in this book in it but like they're also it's it was reaffirming for me listening to it because it's a lot of things i'd already started adapting and right. adopting into my life but you've got to change your narrative for why you want to do something. Because if you go, I'm going to, I want to run 10K, as soon as you achieve it, you've got no motivation afterwards to do that. Yeah, then the goal's over. Yeah. And for a long time, like my guitar playing, you put me on stage and I would just do my thing. But you put me in the studio and I'd get in my head so much. Right. I'd get so like, oh my God, what am I doing? It's not... It doesn't sound right. It's not what I'm hearing. So I'd get in my head and I put a massive roadblock on myself for like five years. I would just be so, I wouldn't be, if I had to do studio, I wouldn't be anxious, but I wouldn't seek after the jobs and I wouldn't put myself in the environment just because their roadblock was in my head. Right. And it's only recently that I'm like, dude, what are you doing? That is your, that's your language. You thrive, not just because you're good 
but because you love it. Right. So why aren't you there? Because I need to be on every in every studio in the planet. I need to be on every record. Yeah. Because I love it. Not because I want to make loads of money, because I love what I do. I'm so lucky to be able to do what I do. And I need to be in those places. Do you know what I mean? I have to. Absolutely. So yeah, the whole discipline is is not just about cutting yourself off and going cold turkey and being like, I must do this. It it has to come from planning. You have to basically create a plan and an environment for you to be successful. Otherwise, it becomes too difficult. Like even the most disciplined person, if they're not in the right environment to be like productive, they won't. Doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? And it's just creating what that looks like for you. Like I don't really like weights. Like I'm not really the gym kind of person like that. Mm -hmm. I prefer to do like going for a walk or going for a short run, Mm -hmm. doing yoga, doing Pilates, doing like body weight stuff and then dancing. That's what makes me like feel strong in that. That's what my body has been used to that for the last like seven years. Right. So if I try and do something different, it's a shock to the system. And if I was to stay with it, maybe, you know, it would get used to it. But I need to be flexible. I need to move. Because I need to channel the music through my body, not just through, like, my music. Right. Like, my fingers. Like, if my body and my, my hands aren't, and my brain aren't connected, the music I put out isn't good. Like, I can't. If, whilst that connection is there, I go into, like, a different place. And then, like, I'm, it's like tapping into the matrix. I just go somewhere different and it just kind of, everything flows. And I think more of what I want to do with my discipline and all the stuff is being able to, like, reach that place. And again, I'm, it's so mad that we're having this because as I'm saying these things, it's reminding me of it because I've forgotten all of these things because of what's happened this year, in it? Yeah, well, sometimes conversation will spark that. Yeah, and this this is why it's so important for for me to do these things because it helps me to to grow. Do you know what I mean? It helps me to go. There's two ways of looking at today. Like, I was in my studio with my dad, and we're trying to do some refurbishments, and I've got loads of like really sick custom made canvases of like cartoon characters and these different things and stuff that means stuff to me in it, stuff I've grown up with. And I want to have them on the wall, but there's not enough space. We've tried so many orientations to try and get them to fit and it just wasn't working. So we come in today trying to see if we can put them in a different way. And it still might work, but today's plan didn't work. And that's one of the things that set me off. And I was like, oh my God, it's another thing. It's not working. Yeah, of course. And it feels like you know it piles I mean? up. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And then... But you just have to adjust. Other, yeah, other emotions start to fall in. It's like, then it starts to make you think about work or another aspect. And it all just, like, links together. And then it adds to the pressure that you're already putting on yourself. Right. And then, you know, it's like, I feel shit. Do I do this podcast? No, I'm going to do the podcast. So what do I need to do to be able to show up and not be, like, a hot mess? Right. For this conversation. And then what do I need what do I need to do after this conversation? Going, we've just touched on some stuff that that's me talking to myself. At this point, right. I'm not even talking to you. I'm right. telling myself things that I've that I know that I've just forgotten. How do I then spend the rest of my evening looking at how today has gone? 
right. is it an unproductive day because I went to studio and me and my dad weren't able to to achieve the goal of being there or was it that actually today I learned a, a lot about what I like where I'm trying to be and my, I got my why back do you know what I mean the why for why I'm trying to do these things like yes I must work on myself in the mornings I if that means that now I've got to be up early cool I've got to wake up two hours early so if I've got to wake up at 4 a.m all right cool if I have to start my day at six got to get up at four do you know what I mean? That means that the decisions that I will take the night before become even more important. Because one thing I believe in is how can how can Nate today help Nate tomorrow? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how what can I do to make him have a better better day? Right. Yeah. That that could be something as simple as packing my bag so that I don't forget something important that I need for tomorrow's activity or thing. Because if I was to wake up tomorrow and not do that, then I might have a a horrible day because I've forgotten something or it might mess my day up. But by spending that two seconds today and going, cool, does he have the best opportunity to succeed tomorrow? Right. Then tomorrow has the chance of being a better day, day than today did. Yeah. hundred percent. I did that last night. <laughs> yeah. And it, I, I think my it's shit so up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so important. And you know, like the fact that you're able to be portable, that's mm-hmm. a form of discipline. Do you know what I mean? It's a form of discipline. That was plotted. That was plotted yeah. from the start. Yeah, because now you just have to show up anywhere. You're not limited. Anywhere. Yeah, you're not limited to, well, the space I was going to get today doesn't let, isn't there. Therefore, I can't achieve this goal. That was a goal of mine, especially like when you're starting out with something like I'm doing and you don't have a reputation or a following as a tool to get you in a room the way that I've done that with the interviews I've done so far and the ones I have coming up with like some really incredible people that sometimes I feel like I have no business talking to but (laughs) I'm just in the fake it till you make it stage um but it makes it easier it makes it easier to be able to do things like this it makes it easier to be able to pick up and um I'm going to a concert in where the hell is it missouri or some weird place in the midwest in a few months and i'm interviewing the opener for the show that i'm going to um but that like adds another element to it i could just put all the shit in a backpack and get on a plane and go to them it doesn't have to be this scheduled situation where i need everybody to be here in person and sit down with me i can pick up and i can go you know so that was something that i that i planned you have your why now in it you, you know why you're doing this. So I think when you find that, it starts to make all these decisions a lot more clearer because now it's like, actually, you know, I'm not limited to an individual space to be able to do right. these things. Or a so when, yeah. yeah, Yeah. So when you actually get to the point where you have your own studio and your own office to interview people and people will come down to you, Right. You you will be able to just like flourish because you are limited to thing. And I think that's one of the things I've I struggled with over the last like two years is just as at the time when I started to get my life stuff together, like I started to put save money, I started to like get my business stuff in order and COVID hit and it wiped me all the way out. 
And there's nothing you can do in yeah. a situation like that. Right. All my savings I had to live off for like 12 months because there was no mm-hmm. work to right. do all those things. And then, then you get back into the world and it opens and you feel like you're starting from zero again. And then, you know, you then start to do a few bits and it's like, okay, well, I'm seemingly going from feeling like I'm starting at zero, but now I'm jumping to like 50. But before COVID, I was at 30. So now I'm actually further along in the journey as if I've been doing it for the last two years. But right. that two years worth of whatever hasn't been there. So how now you have, yeah, now you have to adapt to, oh shit, so how do I stay at 50 and be able to operate at 50 now? And I'm in the same position. You know, I've got my studio. I love my studio. It, it allows me to work when nobody's around. Um, it allows me to work with artists. They can come down. There's no time restraints. Do you know what I mean? It's my safe space. But, right. you know, I don't always have the time to get down to studio. And especially because I'm busy, there's periods. There's periods where you've got more time to be in the lab and periods when you're on the road or periods where you've got other things going on and right, getting nice there you, every day. Yeah. It's nice that you have that space. To yeah. It's to. great that I have that space, but if I rely on my, my productivity being only in that space, there's only I'm, certain times where yeah. you get things done. Yeah. Yes. And that's, that's the thing that I think I've struggled with over the last couple, like maybe let's say the right. last like 10 months Yeah, is when I get to go studio, it's great. But then if I have to, like, for the Jesse Nelson stuff, for example, I have to go into a rehearsal room and program with her in right. the room. Now I right. have to break the room down to mm-hmm. be able to take the stuff because I don't have a portable setup. Right, right. Now I have to break this stuff down to get in that room and be able to deliver the thing, which I can do. But then right. it means getting back into the room, I have to then put it back together. Mm-hmm. And that thing yep. of packing down and... yeah. It needs to now just be separate. And that's part right. of what the refurbs and the, the work that me and my dad are doing is. Right. How can this be somewhere where, you know, ultimately I can turn up in my boxes right. and get on a bus in my underwear with nothing, do you know what I mean? No keys, no nothing. And just be able to get in there, turn right. on and make a hit yeah. record and go. Yep. Yeah. Because it will pay for itself. 100%. Do you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. how can I now go, well, I don't have the time to, I don't have the time to get to studio, find that creative spark, deliver what I need to deliver and go to this next thing or do this next thing in the time that I have given. Actually, that's why I need to be able to be poor. So the, 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 my next thing, and this is like, this is like the burdens of, and the pitfalls of like wearing many hats is that, I'm trying to wear all the hats at the, the big hat level. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. I'm trying yeah. to wear the Pharrell hat for everything. Yeah. The RuPaul hat. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it means invested in the best gear for all of these different fields. Right. But then the best gear doesn't necessarily mean the most expensive gear. The best gear means the right gear for the tool. Oh, and absolutely. Again, it then took me a little while to, to, to remember that and realize that because, yeah. you know, coming from a musician's background where I'm, if I get in the studio, I've got to play everything correctly mm-hmm. and deliver it. You know, in the production world, you know, you need to make sure it's right. But, you know, I can edit it. I can t- tweak it. And actually, right. I can save myself 
an hour if I start thinking yeah. in that mindset because I can deliver it right for anything that I don't. I don't need to spend an hour trying to nail it 100% perfect. I can right. create the part. Do you know what I mean? And I did, I was doing, I'm, I was doing some um, guitar parts for one of my boys on Friday and mm-hmm. a happy accident. Like I found a part I liked, but I was like, oh, let me listen to another take just to make sure there isn't another take. And this other take had a really weird, like fuck up thing that I did. I slid off the guitar by accident. I was like, that's really nice. So I was able to splice both two things together and create something completely unique. That's awesome. But if I kept my purest guitar brain, I was like, no, if I can't do it live. Yeah, yeah, but it's Uh like, that's not what it's about. And therefore being able to go, well, I could sit down and my output can maybe be 200% more productive. Right. If I'm able to just get up and do something at home and go, do you know what? This is actually a bigger idea. I need to go studio. Do you know what I mean? Let me go studio to finish it. Mm-hmm. Then I'm not reliant on having to get to studio every single day to create an idea. Do you know what I mean? I'm able to do the same thing basically anywhere I'm in the world. So now it's like, all right, I'm in LA again. I'm on tour with whatever. My loop packs or this person needs this guitar thing. Now it's right. not limited to me being back in London or renting out a strange space I don't know. Yeah, I can just do it in my hotel room because I've, I've created that thing. And then the discipline of being able to show up every day and everywhere becomes a lot easier because I'm not limited to having to be in a place or having, do you know what I mean? I've got the right. same level of stuff that lets me do the same thing anywhere in the room, anywhere in the world right. I am. Definitely. That, that, like, that's why it's so, um, like, it's amazing to see what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, as much as it might be hard, just the fact that you have your own setup that you can take everywhere. People forget that that's what's important. Yeah, so many sing- So many singers I know don't own their own setups and are, will therefore always be reliant on somebody else. Well, even the people that were here that I was going back and forth with about booking the studio because this is the first time I've been here. They were like, oh, well, we have to replace this. We're missing this. I forget exactly what it was. They were like, uh, what exactly do you need for the setup? And I was like, oh, nothing. Like I have my own whole yeah. setup that I use. I just need the space and I need like the quiet room. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you're bringing your own equipment. And I was like, yeah, I'm bringing all my own shit. Like they were surprised by that, I guess, like people who come to do shows or whatever here and record like they don't have their own equipment and that's fine i chose to do that as like an investment and i want to be able like i was telling the story before like i want to be able to pick up on a dime when i when i can get myself to the level where like people will give me an opportunity but i might have to go to them i want to be able to throw my shit in in my backpack which everything fits in and just go and you know that's exactly it like because i play guitar and i play keys like I've got, and I produce, it's like, I've had this, yeah, I've got my live guitar set up and I've got my live mm-hmm. keyboard set up. And then I've kind of got like a production set up but because production was like the third thing, it's still in development. So it hasn't, yeah. it never got its love and it's never got its time in the, the sun because COVID mm-hmm. hit and the realization hit, but the money <laughs> didn't back it up. Yeah. So I'm, I'm literally like, even today, I just was in my studio looking around whilst my dad was like doing some work there. And I was like, 
and some of this stuff has to go not because yeah. it's, it's rubbish but actually it's not going to be conducive of me doing what i want to do do you know what yeah, i mean and, absolutely and being able to just sit down and sit up and show up that is actually so much more important than having something that i might use once in a year when I'm when I'm making more money and you know you, when you get to the point when you can afford it, then cool. But actually, yeah, I can't afford it. I can't afford for something to be sit here, sat here, and not making me not being used. Yeah, not making, yeah. It's, not paying its way. Do you know what I mean when I can get something that will actually do the thing? And that's like another big thing I'm I'm into is workflow. Like because you are able to have your setup, your workflow you know what your workflow is now. It I'm feels sure the same. You, yeah, you know your process for plugging your mic in, putting mm-hmm. your headphones in, for doing all of that stuff. So Yeah, I had not... like I had like a couple minutes where I was like confused because I'm not in my usual environment and I was like, where I put this, where I put this as far as putting things mm-hmm. in its place to set it up. But other than that, like... But I'm sure you same. have a, a... Like, I'm sure you probably like something... You want this to be on that side and you prefer mm-hmm. this to be on yeah. that side. And I want this to be right here. Yeah. yeah. But I'm also like teaching myself. I'm telling myself in my head, like, well, this is what you planned and this was your goal to be able to move. So now you need to adapt to, you're yeah. not always going to be sitting on your couch. So I have another interview tomorrow for next week's episode. And it's the same thing. I'm going to their, that person's studio, which I've never been to. And I'm going to set up all my shit and sit down and talk to them. So mm-hmm. it's also helping me get used to that whole thing i think it's amazing i really think what you're doing is amazing especially like where i'm at as well in my journey and what i'm trying to do stuff like this is so inspirational for me because i'm trying to force myself into a new lane not just like career-wise but mentally like all of the things like how can i just slap it on my back and be anywhere in the world because right and this is this is like america was the trigger for a lot of this Mm-hmm. I was on the flight from London to LA and I was like, just want to sit down and make music on my MBC. I really want to just make beats. And mm-hmm. I couldn't because I didn't know there'd be plugs on the plane. Right. So it plugs in and I was like, yeah, I'm going to just have to just like sit here, watch movies. Cause that's what, do you know what I mean? Like you go, oh, I'm going to be on an 11 hour flight. I'm going to just sit down and watch TV and do these things like normal people do. And I was like, I was just there, like, I really wish I had my MPC so I could make music right now. Like, for the first time all year, I really wanted to just make music. And I was like, man, I I can't do that. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Got back to to London and I called um, my boy, shout out Andy Mack at Aka, he's a G. (laughs) Um, And I was like, dude, I I need you to hook me up with one of these because that version, it has a, like, a phone battery. So mm-hmm. it don't, you don't need to plug it in. So you, I can literally sit in a park and make right. music now. Oh, that's And dope. that is so appealing to me right I now. I love that. Where yeah. I want to just, I like the studio. I like my home environment. But I want to just sit down and just take different inspiration in. Yeah, that's And awesome. it's like, those are the little things where it's like, cool. Now, that means that wherever I go, when I'm at home, that will be on my left side. My keyboard will be in front of me. My little guitar effects pedal will be on my right. And that's right. what my, my creativity setup looks like. Do you know what I mean? So if I go to studio, it will mirror the same thing. If I go to a rehearsal space, it's going to start to mirror the same thing where it's like, cool. I don't need to break the studio down. 
the studio is like the, the grand version of what I do. Mm-hmm. But at home, I've got the next stage down. And if I'm in rehearsal studio, it's a scaled down model of it, but it is still works and runs the exact same way. And I'm not having to use five or six different things for what I do. And therefore, right. you know, I don't have to be packing down stuff every single day. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Only if I go out and I have to work somewhere and I have to come home, I unpack it. But do you know what I mean? There isn't like these this 12 different setups, these 12 different things. No, yeah. It's all there. I just do what I need to do. And the studio doesn't get packed down. If I need to bring stuff from home for a studio session, then it it lives at home. So I'm going to take it from home to wherever it needs to go to. And then when I come home, I unpack it and it's there. And that, that's part of my discipline. Like that's the discipline and the habits I want to get back into of cool. Let me create what this looks like. So before it used to be all my equipment is for gigging. And therefore I would never take it out of its cases because you never know when you have a gig. Sometimes it would live in my boot. It would live on the stairs. And I'd have all this, these equipments that I would never use <laughs> out of laziness because it's like, oh, I can't be bothered. But yeah, right. because more because I didn't give it a, I created the thing of its use was for just being for gigs. Right. Whereas I changed that. And I was like, all my equipment needs to live in studio. Right. And if I do a gig, I have to break it down. And now I'm like, right. cool. Take it with you. All mm-hmm. my studio stuff needs to live at studio and my home portable setup that's the thing that gets broken down and packed up and that's okay because when I get home, I unpack it, all the cases right. go in the corner and then, then I can start my evening be mm-hmm. it watching TV or doing whatever, but that's what it needs to look like. So nothing's right. going to live in cases ever again. But if I don't see it, I don't use it. Okay. So to wrap things up, what would you say to someone who's in the position that you were in all those years ago where they're just kind of finding their way and just starting out with music, whether it be production, whether it be instruments, whether it be singing, looking down the road and saying that they really want to take this on as their career path. What is one thing you would tell them to remember? One piece of advice as they move through their journey? Best piece of advice is just keep going. Like, there's going to be times when it's tough. There's going to be times where your direction changes and that's going to feel scary. You know, it doesn't matter at what stage in your, your career, your journey, that, that can always be scary where you have to change directions. But mm-hmm. as long as you, you are changing in the direction that you want to go and, you know, it, it's sometimes it feels a bit weird. It's like, oh, well, I'm, like, I'm going here, but I, like it feels weird. but Sometimes it's just like the things that you've got in your brain going, I'm just uncomfortable. It feels new. I'm scared. So I'm going to make it, I'm going to make you feel scared, but actually just keep going because sometimes you have to take that, that step back to look at what you're doing and go, actually, no, I'm doing the right thing. And just, if I keep going, I'll be cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Like, I literally can't thank you enough. This is one of the greatest conversations I've had yet. And I literally could sit here and do this for hours. <laughs> so could I. Like, I swear, it's like so easy to just listen to you talk about all this shit. Like, uh, this conversation has gone in so many different directions that I didn't expect in the best way. And it got like so much deeper than I thought it was going to be. And that's like everything I love. I like, I'm so excited to continue to watch 
your journey and see what happens and see where you go next. And it's, it's just exciting. And I love having these conversations with people who are interested in the same thing that I am and artists that I really respect. And that's like the entire reason that I started doing this was for days like this. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to me and for being vulnerable and for expressing how you actually feel and not faking the bullshit. I respect and appreciate that so much. Oh, bless you, bro. Like, honestly, this is, this has been my pleasure. Like, I think it's so amazing what you're doing as well because, you know, you give me a platform to feel comfortable to, to talk about that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're just like, oh, yeah, so when you were in America, how much money did you spend? And, oh, how many girls oh, were there? Oh, fuck that. And this and, like, do you know what I mean? You, I don't care about any of that. The interview, <laughs> the, yeah, the interview wasn't that. So it, it allowed me to be open. Do you know what I mean? Good, and I'm, even, glad, like, I'm glad you felt that way. When we when we were like speaking after the gig and you know what I mean, like we've just been able to speak like cool because we're just two cool people. <laughs> <laughs> I would but, have to agree no, with myself. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I vouch for it. But no, it's <laughs> I think it's so important that anybody that has I'm not gonna say a platform. Because it can be that shit can be misconstrued and taken mm-hmm. one way or the next. But yeah. anybody that's been through stuff, I think it's so important that we talk about it, both for other people, but for ourselves as well. I get to go away after this interview and this this talk, remembering a lot about myself, stuff that I've forgotten about myself. That you know, if we hadn't have done, I might have had a spiral in the evening and do you know what I mean, gone into another dark mm-hmm. place and. Yeah. You know, as much as as much as on the surface stuff looks like it's going good, it is going good, but I'm trying to strive for more. So what your perception as an external person versus what my perception is going to be completely different. Right. You could be like, well, dude, you've got all of these things like and everything that you're saying you want to achieve sounds amazing and it sounds like you can do all of it. So what's the problem? Or you could do like, oh, but you've got all these things. You can't say this. You don't know how I feel. Well, actually, both things are applicable. I do mm-hmm. know how you feel because I feel the same shit. Right, and exactly. Actually, thank you for that advice because sometimes it's hard for me to see that stuff for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard for right. us to see those things for ourselves. Right, and it's exciting because you don't know who, you never know who's listening. You know, like you can, I can see numbers of who's listening to what on what platform, but I don't know exactly who the people are, everyone that's listening. So you never know what anyone else is going through that when they listen to something the same way you listened to the book you were talking about, I'll yeah. listen to a podcast that I enjoy or music and you relate. Yeah. Like you never know what each person takes away from a conversation. So it's exciting no. to be yeah. creating that stuff. No, it's yeah, it's amazing. I'm ready for the next season when you're ready. Whenever you yeah, want me, 100%, 100% we're doing a part two. Absolutely. Um, have you got music for your podcast? No, I just have like intro stuff that um, Do you want I had music? made. Yes, I will take anything that you are willing to give. <laughs> Make me a playlist. Okay. Of stuff that you like, just stuff that you like, that you would, you could have like some theme music for your podcast. I love Just that. Make me a thing and I'll, I'll get it done. I can't promise it will be done. It might be done in the next couple of weeks. 
months. I don't care if it's next year. I can't afford you anyway. <laughs> Bro, listen, I got you. Don't be silly. Okay, I will. I will do that. I will make you a playlist and I will send it to you. And if you are listening to this somewhere in the universe, make sure that you are following Nate Notes on Instagram. It's just at Nate Notes, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. At Nate Where Notes. else are you? Um, on TikTok now, just starting that venture, shall we say. Um, I'm going to get on YouTube soon. At the moment, everything I have is at Nate Notes. So Great. You'll find me on nice that. and easy. Platforms. <laughs> I'm not even going to, I'm trying to like speak everything into existence. So there will be new music this year. There will be podcasts this year. There will be more stuff. Like just, yeah. If you're going to follow me, I thank you for jumping in and seeing where I'm at at this point in my journey. And I look forward to sharing the journey with you. Make sure you're following because the next time you check in to us on this show, it'll be when there's new music out. For sure. Yeah, I would love that. I can't wait. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much again. I really can't thank you enough. This has been so great. It's one of my favorite days I've done so far with the show. Uh, so happy. Mad love, my brother. 